We are in the mood for fantasy football with your week six start sit report, which uh, as of this recording at about 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday is also an injury report. As Tommy and I have been discussing all day, uh, the injuries keep coming and we're all trying to make sense of it. So I'm your host, BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network's fantasy football director. And with me is longtime Pro Football Network uh, foot fantasy analyst and future good friend, Tommy Garrett. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at BJ Rudell. You can reach Tommy at Tommy Garrett PFN. And you know when you put PFN in your Twitter hashtag, you know that you believe in the company. Tommy's been That's here two years. Official. That's when it's official. So I can't wait. I was to just really it. upset though that the guy, my, the Tommy Garrett tagline, like if I ever get fired, I'm screwed because the other dude apparently stole my Twitter handle and he's never used his account since. So I can't even get that oh. one back. Oh, so, that's yeah. well. I mean, that'd be bad for the brand. We have maybe we have some leverage at the company. We'll talk to our CEO. Um, so today we're going to go through uh, some strongly recommended starts and sits in the context of what has been some of the craziest um, and saddest because they're injuries. These are you know professional players. We want them to play. They want to play, but we're trying to make sense of it as fantasy managers. So um, we're going to try to give you uh, uh, tough calls on tough decisions and help you win on Sunday and Monday. Starting things off, Tommy, quarterback Tua Tagovailoa and uh, Daniel Jones. I just realized it's a long day and I botched his name, but why don't you help us out? Uh, Do we trust Tua? Do we trust Daniel Jones? I think it's much easier to trust Daniel Jones. Um, Concussions, obviously, and there's been long talk about concussions when it turns like we never want to call like someone had a, a minor concussion. Like it's a brain injury. You only have so many tickets you can punch on that on your brain it's it's always a terrible thing to see when someone does take a a suffer a head injury um but at at least that's not going to have a longer lingering effect in terms of like his ability to play versus like you know like an mcl or a sprained ankle um so like i still trust daniel jones as long as he's going to be healthy and active and out there he should be fine he's a qb 11 so far in in, uh, on the season i would trust him daniel um tua is a little more interesting um, you're already dealing with some other injuries that are on the Miami Dolphins, plus the entire schedule is thrown off uh, with them going to London, having that early game. Although Tua necessarily hasn't even really had a set schedule recently uh, with him uh, missing time due to, uh, due to his injury. I think you could start him if you're looking for that mid-range QB2. Like if you're in a, a 2QB or a Superflex League, I think mean, you're plugging Tua back in your starting lineup and hoping for a... a an uptick in performance over Jacoby Brissett. He does still have his former uh, receiver in Jalen Waddle. Um, looks like he's going to have Preston Williams out there with him too, uh, which is, you know, he's cr- already starting to creep up on a career long for terms of how many games he's played in the season. Um, Will Fuller, obviously on IR. Devontae Parker is also banged up right now, but I, I think you can start uh, Tua. It's, Mike Kosicki, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, they'll have a tight end who can, who should be utilized more and maybe he will be this week. Yeah, um, uh, I'm I'm with you on Tua. I, I you know Miles Gaskin getting ten receptions last week seemed like an anomaly. I, I don't understand it. I've I've been down on Gaskin since July. I think and, it's a product uh, of the matchup. They knew they it, couldn't run on Tampa Bay. Yeah, and that's uh, you you hit it on the head, and we saw it again last night uh, with Philadelphia. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know that you're not going to get that kind of bailout for Tua. Mm-hmm this week that you got last week. Um, and for Daniel Jones, some of it, and we'll hit on this later in the program, is uh, is how healthy his receivers are. You know, if he has exactly. two or three of his receivers back, then Daniel Jones can be effective. But without Saquon Barkley, 
um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. And, and that could be a good thing for fantasy managers. Uh, running backs, uh, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. What do you think of these two? If you had both, what would you decide to do? I think they're both startable. Um, it, it's just you never want to start two running backs off the same team. Like the only team you've been able to do that with is the, the Cleveland Browns just because how efficient they've been. But I mean, obviously that's not even going to be the play this week, which we might we might touch on a little bit. It's just an annoying split, to be honest, because of how their their carries have gone. It's like Javante Williams is leading in terms of the of the touch share, but and he looks to be the more explosive player in my eyes. I think he looks like the the better running back. We kind of saw that coming out of uh, UNC with his running style compared to Melvin Gordon. Um, but if they're going to keep giving both these guys, you know, a split of the carries, it just diminishes both players' ceilings and their floors. I think you can start them. You can start them both. They're probably both going to be in the exact same range as they kind of are every week, kind of that mid-tier RB2, and you're kind of hoping that they get some, I'm sorry, the mid-tier RB3 kind of range, and you're hoping mm-hmm. you get RB2 production out of them. It's just until they finally make a move and, and trust one running back over the other, which seems they're kind of leaning more towards getting Javonta Williams more and more work uh, in this offense. I think he'll eventually end up being the RB1, but it's one of those ones until we see it from Vic Fangio, they're both going to kind of eat, in, yeah. eat into each other's production. And we've seen this throughout all of you have been playing for a while. You know the story. I mean, this is we get these two or sometimes three running backs all competing for yeah. touches. And the answer usually lies with the uh, older um, post prime running back, uh, not to say Gordon is post prime, but I think he's approaching that point, um, yeah. is less likely to stand out by the end of the season than the um, young rookie with, uh, with huge upside. So if you have Gordon, Ask yourself why you're holding on to Gordon, because the value is not likely to go up as the season goes on. It's more likely to stay the same or go down. And so consider that heading into this week. It's Uh, easier for an NFL team to trust a veteran than it is to trust a rookie while he's learning the blocking scheme and things like that. Like they've already been dealing with injuries at the quarterback position for the past two years. They've already had offensive line issues themselves too. So it's it's easier to trust someone in that block scheme. Although Javante Williams is more than capable. Like we've seen him blowing up linebackers this entire season, but it's as he gets more comfortable, you would also expect that the Denver Broncos coaching staff in turn would become more, uh, would become more comfortable giving him additional reps. Right on. Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson. We, we talked about them on Monday. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we're still talking about them. Does it matter? No, you're right. Uh, it's The interesting part with Damian Harris, like he is dealing with that injury. He's dealing with the, the chest injury. Um, he's been getting, being able to get some work in during practice. I mean, we, I think we do expect him to play. Uh, but the bigger question is going to be, what does Bill Belichick do with him uh, moving forward? Because he has had a, that fumbling issue we had last week where they did all of a sudden bring in Ramondre Stevens, and who finally got some decent work after the, the blow that he had in the preseason. So I think it'll be interesting to see who's kind of split those rushing downs because those are the two guys, if you look at the team, like, they're your true first and second down backs. Then when you get to like into your your third down, when they kind of start working on someone like a Brandon Bolden or even a JJ Taylor out there, kind of filling that Rex Burkhead, James White kind of role that was on this team. So if they start cutting each, into each other's workload, like Damian Harris doesn't have that high of a ceiling due to what his role is on this team. So if you start cutting out some of those touches, that's when things could really get scary and could really lower his floor. And next year, when you, all of you and all of us are drafting, think about this. Think about the you know this example, Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson. I don't know when Harris went in drafts, maybe seventh round, sixth round, depending. Um, you have to ask yourself, is this a guy who can blow up? 
you need you need 25 point guys. Um, you, you can't afford to have 12 point guys for very long. I made the mistake of drafting Mike Davis too early because I felt like I needed a second running back. Well, I didn't need Mike Davis. I needed a good second running back and you have to be willing to be patient and wait for that good second running back. It might take five weeks. So everyone well, I think you of, needed Mike Davis without Cordero Patterson. Because in the yeah, beginning of the right. season, we were David. looking at a guy who was going to have 250 touch upside on a team that we knew Arthur Smith wanted to run the ball. Yes. So I, I, it fit I, very well, but none of us expected you. Cordero Patterson mm-hmm. to do what he was going to do. I will stop beating myself up about Mike Davis. Yeah, Thank that, you. I, I don't mind that pick at all. No, it's like, and the same thing with Damian Harris. Out. Like He would have been that starting hype up to running back last year because we saw that right. coming into it, but then he had to end up having hand surgery, delayed the start of his season. So he entered camp again this year with that same kind of hype that he was wowing everyone in camp. It's just the difference is, does that running back, like you're talking about, if you're going to a draft, does that running back ceiling, is he involved in the passing game? Because if someone's yeah. not involved in the passing game with leagues going going more and more away from like even a half point PPR to full point PPR scoring, if your running back's not involved in the receiving game, then you're locked into that 0.62 to 0.64 fancy points per touch versus 1.15 to 1.3 fancy points per target. Like there's a massive disparity in terms of how these players are going to get used. That's why last year you saw JD McKissick end up being one of the higher ranked running backs into the season right. because he saw all this volume in the passing game. Like it's the role a player has on their team is just as important as where you're getting them in their drafts. That's right. Nyheim Hines uh, in a great year, Theo Riddick yes. years ago. These are all guys who you can afford to take them, uh, you know, in the sixth, seventh round because you know they're going to be involved every week. They're 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 giving Kenneth you a Gainwell. That's like right. Parallel between Nyheim Hines can work exactly like with Kenneth Gainwell. They're kind of the same player right now. Right. That's right. It, uh, yes. And I, I'm more, now I'm trying to figure out who I'd rather have, and it's a tough call. Um, I take Nahi Mines because I don't trust Nick Serrani to actually run the ball in Philadelphia. Oh, yes. I think I uh, saw some buzz about that today uh, on our writing team. Uh, wide receivers. Let's jump into them. We got a few. Washington, Terry McLaurin, Tommy yeah. Brown. What the heck is going on in Washington? Suddenly McLaurin showing up <laughs> at like 2 o'clock. Questionable. Uh, and not a good questionable. And then maybe it, it pulled back a little bit as the afternoon went on. But it's like, what, you know, first of all, McKissick looks fantastic this week. He was battling an ankle injury last week. Do not give up on JD McKissick. I think okay. I can speak for Tommy. Yes. Yep. Where we say McKissick is one of those guys who could get 20 points this week. They're playing Kansas City, you know, and Ricky Seals Jones, we could get to him another day, but we're, t- we're saying it now. Tommy's with me. Mm-hmm. Ricky Seals Jones. Big play. All right, Tommy, what do you got for me with McLaurin and Brown? If they both play, what are we what are we doing? Knowing that McLaurin is questionable, does that give you any hesitation? It does, but at the same time, like given the talent of McLaurin and just the absolute lack of talent anywhere else on this team, like if we're talking about Diami Brown being the number two on this team, like who else is Heineke going to throw the ball to outside of JD McKissick, like we were talking about, and Terry McLaurin? it's just not a good matchup. Like you are obviously always going to be worried that there could be the potential for a re-aggravation during this game. Um, James Palmer did come out and say that he is expecting McLaurin to be active, but that game time decision, that stat is going into the game is going to be crucial Um, for a guy that you would normally have as a locked in wide receiver one anywhere between that wide receiver eight to wide receiver 12 range. He's going to be dropping down more towards that 
wide receiver two, kind of probably maybe even mid range of the wide receiver two, because there's always going to run that risk. If you saw what happened last week with Curtis Samuel, uh, where he right. comes in, plays a little bit, and all of a sudden gets taken out, which then it's kind of apropos because it's on the exact same team. Um, so you're going to run that risk. There is the upside without question with Terry McLaurin. And when he's at 100%, he's virtually unguardable in the NFL. Um, but there's going to be that, that inherent risk where you could end up getting a 20-point game just as easily as you could get a two-point game. Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, I think Adam Humphreys is actually one of those guys who could be the number two receiver this week. Um, yeah. I, uh, he's 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 almost the last man standing. He's usually pretty reliable when needed for three to four catches, 50 yards. Like he's that kind of guy who can come in and 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 fill that role. So the question becomes, if Kansas City's putting up 30 plus points uh, and Washington's throwing, you know, most of the game. Humphreys has to be getting involved in some way. So if you are desperate for a receiver, especially in a deep league or a league where you got to start four receivers or something like that, pick up Humphreys, start him. Um, I think he'll get eight, nine points at least. Uh, You know, this is a, this is a time to take some risks. And that's, I mean, he's averaging right now about four targets per game. And that's been with a team that has actually had some other pass catching options. When you throw Logan Thomas on the R on the IR, you're dealing with an issue to Terry McLaurin. You've got Ricky Shield Jones, who is a bit unproven overall, but he had a good week last week. And we both think he's going to be a great play this week. Is that a, a a lower and tight end one option? Like you just run out of other warm bodies to throw onto the field to a certain extent. And this is a week where it's the best team is not going to win this week. This is going to be an <laughs> awful week for fantasy. And next week is going to be even just as bad when it comes to bye weeks, given the teams that are on it. It's, the teams that are going to win this week are the ones that are either going to have, A, the depth to survive right. the injuries, or B, it's going to be the manager that was able to swing a couple big moves and off waivers and take a couple risks on some players. And someone sure. like Adam Humphreys, like these are the guys that could potentially end up being the difference in a win or a loss on what's going to be a brutal upcoming stretch. And don't mistake what Tommy just said. If you're if you're the worst team, don't say, "Well, Tommy just told me I'd win this week." That's not how it works. <laughs> if it was, I'd be I'd be undefeated already on the whole season. <laughs> there, there you go. Tommy is the poster child for uh, under or overachievers. I can't even think which one it is. Uh, next one: AJ Brown, Julio Jones. What a mess Tennessee Tennessee's passing game is. Mm-hmm. And uh, can we possibly trust these two? Or we couldn't trust one of them when one of them was on the field. Can we trust two of them? Um, The good thing is that both these guys are at least getting back into practice. Uh, They were both full participants today. Um, A.J. Brown has been a full participant for the past two days. Uh, So it looks like we're going to get get both these guys back. But at the same time, it's A.J. Brown has not been a good receiver this year. Like playing in some for someone we all love and who was a, a top six wide receiver off the board in a lot of drafts. Outside of week one where he was a wide receiver 33, he's been wide receiver 60 or, or worse in his other games wow. this year. And it's he has a brutal matchup going against the Buffalo Bills. Like the Buffalo Bills allowed the fewest fantasy points to entire teams of anyone else in the NFL. Um, they're also right now their number uh was their dead last, or I guess I should say first in this instance, of points allowed at 25.8 to receivers, and they're allowing only 111 total passing yards to receivers per game. So the matchup itself is not great. That's why you're seeing someone like um, uh, Ryan Tannehill. Sorry, I forgot his name for a second. That's why you're seeing Ryan Tannehill struggling right now, who was a lot of people's favorite uh, option if you were waiting on the quarterback position. Hey, we're going to target Ryan Tannehill because he just got Julio Jones. Well, 
it doesn't matter if these guys aren't on the field. So it's a game where I think we're going to expect Buffalo to get out ahead because the Buffalo Bills look like arguably the most complete team in the NFL, and it wasn't for the um, Arizona Cardinals being undefeated. They would probably be number one in most people's power rankings. Um, so if we're going to assume that, they're probably going to get out ahead pretty quickly. Tennessee's going to have to play from behind. Like If A.J. Brown at least is going to play 80% of the offensive snaps, um, although it seems like they're trying to slowly wean him back into it, um, he's going to have potential to be a solid play, but it's it's hard to look at him right now as anything more than a wide receiver too this week. Like I would say if you had better options, you might want to look somewhere else, but I don't know if anyone's going to have that many better options right now given the landscape of the NFL the way it currently is. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm i going to push it even further down and say he'll be lucky to be a top 30. I, I just think... I think I think Tennessee's in a lot of trouble as a franchise. They they invested in Julio. They've got Derrick Henry in his prime years, and it's not doesn't matter um, right now if the passing game is not working. They've already shown that they can't win unless they have a strong passing game to go with a strong running game. And uh, I just don't see this turning around against Buffalo. Buffalo is my favorite. Not my favorite, but they would be number one on my on my rankings. I think they're a more complete team than Arizona, mostly because of the defense. I just think yeah. at the end of the day, their defense is the tiebreaker, and everything else just kind of lines up pretty neatly. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I, I I do not recommend if if you are bold this week, um, I would bench Brown and Julio Jones. I would find somebody else with a more favorable. You know, go with Jalen Waddle, for example. Um, yeah. go with somebody who might get you a little better chance at a touchdown, um, uh, than, than AJ Brown, who I think he's topping out at about 450 or something like that this week. Um, I mean, for me, like the Tennessee Titans are almost like the Cleveland Browns in terms of how they want to run this game. They want to win through on the ground, except the Tennessee Titans actually have better wide receivers. They just can't use them. Right. That's, right. that's where we're at right now. Like, it's just talent that's not being used. Like, I think earlier in this week, I had A.J. Brown as one of my sits uh, for the week because he was dealing with the injury. I think I've got him right now ranked around like the wide receiver 26, wide receiver okay. 28 range. So I'm right there with you. It's just we know that A.J. Brown has the capability to take a 70 yard pass right. and take it for a score. Like, we saw him do that in his first two years. Like, that touchdown right. efficiency has been there. It's just, it's kind of up in the air right now what you're right. what you're going to get out of him if the team's going to try to run the ball and give Derrick Henry like 33 touches a game. Like right now he's right. on pace for an unbelievable like record-setting yeah. year before you even add in the 17th game. That's right. And so it's if they're not going to be efficient with these touches, if you're not going to give AJ Brown these chances, it's hard to have a lot of faith in him right now. Speaking of faith, that's a terrible segue, but I, I, I just was going to go off the last word, and that happened to be your last word. Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, and Darius Slayton. <laughs> Three injured giants. Oh. Uh, he was the hero last week because uh, no one was left. Yeah. Now most of them should be back. We, we th- Tony is questionable, I guess. Shepard and Slayton, yes. you, you mentioned before this, uh, you, you gave me a heads up because I was taking my afternoon nap, as I usually do before this podcast. Um, uh, that's a joke. Uh, but uh, you had mentioned, you know, these guys are coming back. So what do we say? Is Shepard and Slayton, are they startable, especially if Tony sits? Can we rely on them to pick up where they left off? The way it is right now, they have Sterling Shepard um, off the injury reports. They've got him as a as full go, no restriction. Uh, Darius Slayton and Kadarius Tony both are still listed as questionable. Tony dealing with the ankle injury and then... Um, Darius Slayton still dealing with his hamstring. Like you've lost uh, Shepard and Slayton for the past two weeks. Like 
if Sterling Shepard is active, and I think we all think it seems like he's going to be full go, like he was the wide receiver one on this team. If you throw back in Daniel Jones, like I think Shepard could be a plug back in, go ahead and start him. Uh, when it comes to Darius Slayton, like I was already kind of worried about what his role was going to be with Kadarius Tony because like he had that blow up game last week and, and the week before we saw a bunch of targets where I think we kind of agreed that was a lot of the product of there was no one else on this roster. Um, but his play on the field has at least pushed him, I believe, above Slayton in the pecking order. So I think you're going to already see him dropping down in his total snaps and targets every single week. Um, Kadarius Tony is going to be an interesting kind of like a wide receiver low wide receiver three wide receiver four kind of range like no one should be expecting what we saw last week he's going to get some volume and i think it'll be more efficient especially with a uh, a daniel jones rather a mike glennon uh led offense i would play shepherd this week uh tony's going to be a little more iffy but if you're lacking any better options as a flex play i can understand playing Kadarius tony this week very good. And I would suggest with with Shepard, I don't know if people, you know, a lot of you aren't in trading leagues. I don't understand that. I love trading. I try to make sure I'm always in a league where people are trading. But Sterling Shepard is one of those guys, like Tommy's saying, I mean, he was blowing up before he got hurt. Yeah. And the issue becomes you've got him, but he's not going to be blowing up with Galladay healthy whenever Galladay's back with Tony ascending. Um, it's It's just it's not as clear that Shepard's path to consistent, you know, top 25 production. It's not clear to me anyway, that he's going to be the guy every week or most weeks. So then the question yeah. becomes, what do you do with him? And I would think one option would be you try to sell him today uh, or tomorrow trade highs like, Hey, Shepard's back. He's the only healthy guy in this, you know, on the giants right now. See if you can get a WR2 for him. Or, or something of that caliber, especially if someone really needs a win and you can basically pitch to them that Shepard can get you that win this week. Because longer term, I don't see Shepard as being a guy that you're going to be excited to plug in your lineup every week. You're going to be hoping he does well, but you're not going to expect it every week. And that's going to be the key. Well, there's also the issue too, it's just the matchup. It's who's going to get the Jalen Ramsey treatment? Because yeah. one of these guys is going to get it. If it ends up falling on Sterling Shepard, which it very well might, that's never a good recipe for an opposing receiver unless you're one of the elites like Devontae Adams. Like he's a matchup proof guy. You play him regardless of who he's going up against. But if it's someone like a, a Sterling Shepard, like Jalen Ramsey has the absolute ability to shut that person down and completely eliminate them from the game script. So that's another option. That's another thing that could you could uh, pull in your favor if you're trying to trying to move someone before they're end up having a bad week. Right on. And we're going to do one more because I just heard my boys got off the bus and they're uh, uh, um, very rambunctious. So we're going to do one more. The Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Landry might be back. He's been removed. He's been designated to return. Yeah. As of recording this, it's now 4.48 p.m. on Friday. Who, do, who can we trust of these three receivers, is there anyone? I don't think you can trust any of them, to be completely honest. Um, right. I mean, what have we seen out of the Odo Beckham Jr. to Baker uh, Baker Mayfield connection that seemed trustworthy to you right now? Because there hasn't been much of anything. Like, I still think this they will get this together. Like, it's the issue you had last year, brand new offense, everything else. It was a chemistry issue. That's why you saw Baker Mayfield taking shots. That's what, like, okay, Baker Mayfield is playing better without Odo Beckham Jr., I don't, that's a correlation versus causation issue. That's not the same thing because right. that was a matter of Baker being more comfortable in this Kevin Stefanski offense and taking shots he wasn't taking when Odo Beckham Jr. was on, was on the field. That wasn't a, that wasn't because 
he was targeting Odell. It was just where he was in the offense at the time. So you're right now, it's like Beckham coming back from his ACL. They're having to try to get back on the same page. And until you see it happen, like it's very hard to trust them. It's don't be surprised too. If this is a very much an on the ground game, like even without Nick Chubb, like I expect the Cleveland Browns to absolutely want to keep this ball on the ground. Like it's going to be very windy in Cleveland. When that wind comes off Lake Erie in Cleveland, it just swirls, especially when you have that one opening of the stadium. Like you're looking at 20 mile an hour sustained winds up to 30. Like normally we don't see too massive of effects, but when you're looking at a deep passing game with someone like a Donovan Peoples Jones who excels at deeper targets, like that's going to affect him. And even if you see Jarvis Landry come back, what's his uh, snap share going to be, even if they do activate him off the IR? So it's right. for me personally, I'd be fading the Cleveland Browns uh, receiving game. And I would look towards Nick, uh, look towards Kareem Hunt because because right now, David Ajoku and Kareem Hunt are the two leading receivers in terms of yardage on the Cleveland Browns right now. Wow. That should kind of say everything about the wide receivers. That's right. And I looked up a stat the other day. I think it was that uh, uh, 0.6 receptions a game, uh, something minuscule. And like last year, they were averaging 10.5 or something like that. There's other teams that are averaging a lot more. I mean, 7.6, whatever it was, it was 7 point something minuscule. Um, th- this is and, and the fact is they're doing pretty well uh, in spite of that. Uh, I mean, their offense has been cooking in large part because their rushing game is on pace to get uh, 41 rushing touchdowns. The, the record during the Super Bowl era is 33, I believe, from the Steelers. Yeah. Like so, as a team, the Cleveland Browns right now are averaging 8 point, um, sorry, 0.88 fantasy points per rush. That's insane production for a team. Like, And you don't all of a sudden just move away from that just because you want to start targeting receivers more. That's right. Well, um, uh, one of my kids is here, which is a good time to say goodbye. Um, uh, again, thank you for being with us uh, today. Tommy Garrett, uh, analyst extraordinaire at Pro Football Network. And then I'm BJ Rudell, fantasy football director at Pro Football Network. Uh, find us on profootballnetwork.com. Check out the fantasy page. Check out Tommy's great articles. Check out my good articles and check out the other writing team's great articles. And we'll see you next time.